Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Kentucky Wildcast. I'm your host, as always, Ryan Story, and returning as co-host this month is Olivia Ellis. Hello, it's me again, Olivia Ellis. Uh, just want to pop in for a quick second before we start this interview to mention staff senate elections. It's been a recurring theme lately, um, but they are officially open. So if you are listening to this podcast between May 10th and 5 p.m. on May 21st and you are a UK staff member, please go online and vote for new senators. You can also vote in the Women's Forum election, but this is a really great way to help influence change at the university. So even if you aren't running, read those platform statements and see if there's anyone who's running for Senate who really stands for what you believe in and changes that you would like to see. Um, we'll have the link to the elections in the description of this show. But just as a reminder, those clothes on May 21st. So if you're listening to it after that, it's all right, no big deal. Um, but before May 21st, get in there and vote. All right. Thank you very much, Olivia. So with our only announcement out of the way, uh, we're going to get into this month's interview. Uh, so we have with us Whitney Butler. She is the financial manager in UK's Office of China Initiatives. Welcome, Whitney. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, uh, to start out, we just like to everybody to could just kind of introduce themselves and kind of describe your role and uh, your a little bit of your history at UK. Okay. Um, so a little bit of history about me here at UK. I started November 2019, um, you know, kind of before the world changed. Um, from, from my financial background, I was the financial manager at the former Confucius Institute, now OCI. Um, yeah, and I've gotten my master's in finance, financial accounting, and I did my undergrad uh, prior to UK at Mississippi State University, another school in the SEC, which I love. Uh, I got it in mathematics. Um, yeah, and I've been here, so it's over a year now, a year and a half, which seems crazy to me in time. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. Sometimes I'll just be talking to um, Dr. Maskey and just think, yeah, I got here yesterday. She's like, no, you've been here 18 months. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially with the last year that we've had. Yes, for sure. So Whitney, you mentioned, you said you Mississippi State, right? Yes. And I know your recommender said that you hail from Nantucket, right? Correct. So you've done quite a bit of traveling here in the U.S. And did that like influence wanting to work for the International Center or anything like that? Uh, well, Prior to working at the International Center, I was actually studying abroad. I was studying in Oxford, England for about a year to get my master's. And it just, it was one of my kind of milestones for my career self saying that I want to work in an international setting, international field with international students. So when I was about to finish my master's and sort of job hunting, I was like, okay, let me find a university. That's where all the students are, international or otherwise. And let me find one near family. So a lot of the places I applied, um, because though I'm from Massachusetts, my roots are very Southern. I have family in Mississippi, Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, everywhere. So when UK happened upon in my like search, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. Hopefully I hear from them. I hear back. And I did hear back pretty immediately, which was awesome. And the next call I made was to my aunt and uncle who live in Frankfurt. And I said, hey, so I have a job that may work out. Just so y'all know, I may be in the area. Um, 
And they were very receptive. They're like, okay, cool. Just let you know when you're packing your bags. We got a spot for you. We'll put you up either one of your cousin's homes or at our home. Don't worry about it. And I was like, see, that's exactly why I definitely, if I'm going to start in an international setting, I'd rather start in the South somewhere because everyone's always ready to help you out whichever way you need help, whichever way you can. Um, but it was definitely still a shock coming from Massachusetts to Kentucky, which I like to think of as like the Northern South because it's very happily in the middle. And while you get those like Southern values, you also get kind of that Northern um, comfortability. It's not... I feel like the accents maybe aren't as strong and, or you can understand each other a little bit better, but you're still like, people hear me and they're just like, where are you from? I don't, I don't understand what that accent is. And I'm like, oh, it's an accent. Oh, okay. And then my family will just be like, oh no, you sound very Northern. You don't, you don't sound like you're from here. So it's okay. It's going to be a while before people get used to how you talk. I was like, okay. Um, it's and it was just like the UK. You don't have an accent, so they're like, "Oh, you're American. Tell me everything about America. Tell me everything you know. <laughs> how does how do politics work? Oh God, how do we you don't drive? even know that answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're just like, "How do you get from? Why are you in um, Kentucky one day and Virginia the next? Like, why are you just switching states so frequently? Why aren't you just in one state your whole life? It's like two hours away. Goodness, that's so far. It you know, it, that kind of shock is." funny to me the concept of time is so different for people from state to state country to country the concept of time that was, amazes me it's so weird that actually came up this weekend i we got to visit my parents for the first time since we got married in october so they're vaccinated we finally got to go see them and we brought up how it's a two and a half hour drive from lexington and for us we're like that's not a big deal whatever and we we got to the conversation of oh yeah well if we go to florida that could be 13 hours or whatever and I remembered my host mom when I studied abroad in Germany, we had to take a train 10 hours to Italy. And she goes, oh, gosh, we could we could have just flown. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, we could have driven. And she's like, you would drive 10 hours to get somewhere? I was like, I would drive. Yeah, I've had to drive 30 minutes to get to the closest gas station. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I, yeah, the concept of time is just is wild worldwide. That's also interesting when you talk to people from Texas, because anybody who lives in Texas, like eight hours is still the you're still in the state. <laughs> like you, you can go eight hours in any direction and still be in Texas. So it's always interesting when you compare it just yeah, just even just regionally. Yeah, I never thought a 22 hour road trip from Massachusetts to Florida, which my family did annually, would be impressive to my international friends. They were like, you drove to Disney World? Like that was a family vacation? I said, yeah, of course. Road trip snacks, you know, pulling over on the side, fixing the tire, having to use the bathroom, you know, wherever you can find it because it's the middle of the night. They're like, no, that's not, that's not the concept of fun. I said, oh, okay. Yep. I had someone yeah. in that kind of conversation, someone said, wow, America really is like the wild west. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, sure, sure. Picture me that way if you want to. Mm -hmm. We'll go with it. Cool. So, so Nantucket yes. and Mississippi State and Oxford and now UK. So you've really been around the block and I've heard like you're, I'm trying not to rat out who your recommender is because they That's just fine. had, they were just gushing over you, but they very specifically said, and I pulled this quote because I just thought it really hit, it really hit for me. Whitney is a young woman of color in the most vital, critical role in our office. 
She handles a large budget. She works with international transactions and she keeps our office in good financial shape. And after this year, I know that that is the most important thing someone can do. So, you know, with your, with your travels and kind of with all your changes in cultures and location, what's been, you know, the most, uh, something's really difficult this past year and also something really rewarding. Um, I would say what's been really difficult is, you know, kind of going easy on myself, going easier on myself rather because of being in the financial field. The one thing I've always been very fearful of is making a mistake because when we learn about finances, accounting, financial things, we always learn about, you know, the SEC or the people who oversee the finances and, you know, what their job is like when somebody messes up. And, you know, and I think if you're that kind of person who worries about messing up, you tend to not mess up because you're extra careful, but it doesn't make you worry any less. And, you know, being separated from my office, I was really looking forward to getting to know everyone and how their minds work financially in person. Because for me, I definitely am an in-person kind of learner with people. And then when I learn, you know, your personality, like I learn how you treat your finances, but having to do it remotely, um, you know, you don't reach out as often as you think you would to get to know how they do things financially. So there've been, you know, instances where I've maybe not been on the same page as somebody and it's because they've told me, but it's, they're not there to reinforce it in person to me constantly. And that's something that I really thrive on. So that was what was difficult, not being in person to do the financial kind of personality side of finances. Because I mean, I get it's two plus two is four. It's never going to change, but it's how people present it that helps you understand them and where they're coming from. So when I, when you don't have that, especially for someone like myself, it just, it stops, it stops. And then you stop thinking for other people. You only think for yourself and then you forget how to relate it to people. So, you know, seeing it on a piece of paper, yeah, it makes sense for me because I see it all day, but that one person sees it once a week with me in a weekly meeting is like, Whitney, what does that mean? Like, why do you, why do you say it that way? Can't, can't you say it this way? So that part was definitely really difficult. The most rewarding is just being in this different kind of financial environment, definitely learning the different mindsets of, you know, American business, how it's done financially and Chinese business, how it's done financially. And the, there's like a more kind of straightforwardness, I guess, with it and more of, well, you have it, just do what, do with it, what you're supposed to do with it. It's like, okay, well, what if we don't get everything done? Okay. Keep going. Like, don't stop. And I feel like, you know, in the American standard, it's kind of like, well, your deadline's missed. Like you're done. I can't fix that. Like we kind of stop ourselves short. We don't give ourselves a chance all the time to keep moving forward with finances. And it kind of feels unforgiving in that way, but I get it. It's, it's rules and things, but I like the idea that other cultures say, you know, we can make it work. No, shouldn't be the end all be all. We should keep going. We should keep finding solutions. And I was like, wow, it's crazy. People think differently. And I think that's the best part about an international like coalition a center is you learn not everyone thinks the same way as you do. Not everyone thinks the same way. And maybe one of the other ways that they think would work better for you. You're just used to the way you were taught. And so that that's been something I've definitely really enjoyed um, being here. And um, like the recommender said, you know, as a person of color, a lot of the things I've done, I was told at one time or another, I couldn't do or shouldn't do or wouldn't be capable of doing from high school to college to traveling. I was told as a freshman in high school, I would not go to a four-year university. I was not smart enough to go to a four-year university. 
um, I was in a small island public school and I was the only student from who I surveyed. They said, you couldn't do it. So it wow. felt very targeted. Yeah. Especially from the, my friends who knew me, they're like, are you serious? And then when I went to college in Mississippi, which I thought, great, I'm in a bigger town, a bigger place, whatever. I said, oh, I can't wait to travel. Why would you travel? Everything we have right here. Besides, where, where would they let you travel? These were my classmates telling me yeah. this. They were wow. just it, everywhere I went. It just kept going. No, you can't do that. Why would you think you could do that? Why would you think you're capable of doing that? And there was never really an explanation. And it just always felt like it was that unspoken thing they wanted to say, but they didn't, they thought it would be rude if they said it. So me being very nice, I would just not, I would just be like, well, I'm not going to listen to you, but that kind of hurt my feelings. They just. Do you feel just, like that's, do you feel like that's something that ended up driving you? Like, was that, was that a driving force of like, I'm going to like, no, you're wrong. Oh, most definitely. Every, like, I didn't think I was going to be that person that if you told me no, I was going to do it anyway, <laughs> but I became that person because. It just seemed, I didn't like people judging what skills I had based off of an interaction and, and an interaction, which was just a few kind words back and forth. I mean, it'd be one thing if I was screaming or yelling at them and I'm shouting obscenities, but I would just be like, Hey, how are you? How's it going? And they'd be like, you can't do that. I was like, wow, that just immediately fell out of your mouth. Um, hopefully you think a little bit more thoughtful next time, but what's been really great with that be kind of opposing everyone's nose and doing, you know, I've been traveling for the past eight years, um, been to um, 10 or so different countries. Like if you had told me in 2010, I would have spent 2015 in Lithuania during the new year after they had just been um, out of the Soviet Union, I would have told you, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I be in Lithuania? Who do I know there? But it was when I started to meet international students who worked and traveled in America and said, of course you should come. These places are amazing. You shouldn't just stay in America. Being told no throughout my, I would say high school up until even graduate school was always a driving force for me to not prove someone wrong every single time, but prove to myself that if I want to do it, if I see the vision in my head that I want to do it, I could go ahead and do it. It's not going to be easy. There won't be, it won't be obstacleless, but I could do it. And what I realized coming back from that, you know, every time I kind of went back to that person or thing that kind of said, you know, you can't do this or no, it's not for you. Um, there was always envy. There was always like, oh man, I wish I could do all those things you're done. And I would always say the same thing. You can, you absolutely can. Just because you told me no and I did doesn't mean you can't. And I always get the, well, it's money or it's time and it's, but you make time or you make the money. I was not always financially stable where I could be going to these places, but I was at a time in my life when the priority was, you know what, I want to spend this time abroad. I'll get help from my parents if I can. I'll get help from friends if I can. And they've been paid back in time and in kind. And I'm glad I had that experience. I don't care if it took me the rest of the year to pay it off. I spent New Year's in Dublin one year because I've got six friends to go. So that was more important to me. Um, so it just, also, like side note, I recommend to anyone who ever told me they've never traveled. If you don't have your passport, we can't carry on a conversation. You, can, you need to have that first, and then we can talk about how you've never traveled, because then I could at least put you on a flight. <laughs> but yeah, that's, so, um, that was big. What do you think high school Whitney, who was being told no all these times, what do you think high school Whitney would think or say about current Whitney? 
Oh, she'd be in tears. She, she was scared that it was just all going to be over. She was scared that, you know, um, she came from a small town. She stuck out. Everyone told her who she was or what she was supposed to do, what she was supposed to look like, who she was supposed to date. And she didn't do any of those things. And, but she also thought she couldn't do it. Um, she couldn't do better than what people were telling her. Senior year, Whitney, for sure, had like hit a wall where she just said, I just got to get out of there and separate myself from them because I'm starting to believe what they're telling me. And I think if she really saw me now, she'd just be like, I can't believe we did that. I can't believe we've done all of these things and we're still good. The world's not, you know, on fire. People aren't angry because she decided to go against what they said because she did what she wanted to do. So, I mean, she'd definitely be beyond excited, excited and proud. Um, can you talk? So I don't know if I've ever met anybody that has gone from Massachusetts to Mississippi. There's, there's <laughs> that. I mean, you're basically moving to a different country. So oh, can yeah. you talk to a little bit about just like the culture shock of Nantucket to Oxford? Oh, wow. I, you know, every time I've moved, it's been a culture shock. And I think the, it all stems from the same thing. I grew up on an Island off the coast of Massachusetts. Most people know Martha's Vineyard, because um, celebrities or anything like that. They know Nantucket from that dirty poem or limerick. That's usually their introduction because nine times out of 10, if someone does know Nantucket, they go, do you know the whole joke? Do you know the whole thing? Can you tell it to me? And I go, oh man, that's not what I want to be remembered for. So um, I'd say the culture shock from Nantucket to Mississippi, the biggest one was, oh, you look like us because there were more people of color. You don't sound like us. You think you're better than us. No, get out of here. You have money. Get out of here. I was like, wow, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I said, hello. I was friendly. I thought I was being suddenly friendly. Nantucket to Oxford. Um, people recognize Nantucket a little bit more. And I would say it's because some of them had traveled to America and like heard about it or um, like my professor, my advisor, my financial advisor, when she asked me how I was dealing with the transition, she was like, Oxford is very Nantucket-like, don't you think? You know, the cobblestone streets and everything. And she went into like full detail. And I said, how in the world did I find a financial advisor who actually has been to where I grew up and knows how to describe it appropriately so that I feel at home? I was like, okay, I guess this is working. Um, but, you know, for them, it was, I was the American. Yeah. I was the black American. Yeah. Oh, how, how, how are you living? How are you existing? How is it not a fight every single day? I said, um, I may be too sheltered to know that then. I'm sorry. I can't give you much other outside of the fact that um, I'm American. I'm not, they were like, you're not from Texas. You're not from like California. You're not from the big three. I was going to ask if, if there was assumptions made because of the way you look like like being from Nantucket rather than rather than the South, were, were people assuming a lot of things? Uh, they usually just assumed that were the places they've heard about in America. So they oh, okay. assume, oh, if I don't have a strong enough accent, she's not from New York. Right. Um, it's not Southern. She's not Texas. <laughs> but maybe California. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't know where to put you. And I'd be like Massachusetts. And they're like, I think I've heard of that. Can you like pull it up on a map? I've had so many group hangs where I had my phone out, Google Maps, and we're zooming in just to find Massachusetts, let alone Nantucket. And the other thing about Nantucket is it's 
I would say its economy is not exactly the one to measure America on because minimum wage there, $15 an hour. That's like scooping ice cream. So I can't exactly go that way. Or being a camp counselor, I was camp counselor at 13 making $12 an hour. Like these were normal. Um, this grocery store I worked at as a cashier, you could make 14, 15 an hour. Uh, going out to dinner, you'd easily spend $300. And is it, is it because of, it's like an island? Like, is it just because it's isolated a little bit? Um, it's just because it became this like touristy spot in a, over the last 20 years to where no two things are like, we don't, for instance, we don't have franchises there. There are no chain restaurants. It's not big enough to have chain restaurants. We got a Starbucks inside of a market, like, and it was just, they were selling Starbucks coffee, but everyone treated it like, oh, we got a Starbucks, they're making <laughs> cappuccinos. We were living our best lives when they did that. Um, Ralph Lauren opened a store there, but they had to get special permission from the town to like actually plant a store there. Um, Nantucket's economy mainly runs off of the tourism from June until early September, but it started to seep into the fall now because people realize the island is very beautiful and also less crowded at that time, but now it's more crowded because everybody's figured it out. Uh, but yeah, it used to be just like the people who lived and worked there, we were, we were normal, aside from the fact that when we played sports, we had to take a boat to the mainland to play the next, the next team in the next town. The next town was a few hours away. Uh, so it's just very distorted. I say I have the distorted vision of America in terms of you want to ask me like how I grew up and where I grew up. Right. It's not what the average American is going to say. So I always feel like, oh, how do I give him like the American version? Like, how do I give him like mine toned down? Mine's like, a, I need to give him like a seven. This is like 10, 11. Nantucket is way too high. I don't know if you've seen uh, Gilmore Girls. Uh, it's my wife's oh, yeah. like favorite television show. A lot of what you're saying kind of, kind of reminds me of the Gilmore Girls. I think they even go to Nantucket at one point. They did when they did the reboot and they did right. uh, fall, summer, spring, all the seasons. Cause um, Emily ends up working on Nantucket. Yeah. At the whaling museum which was a big deal when they came because they came to the actual museum i oh, mean that's but cool the home she was at wasn't there you know they do like right parts here and there and it's um because they were based in connecticut and connecticut is very um nantucket adjacent in terms of the affluent people of connecticut vacation on nantucket gotcha such as new york nantucket yeah. boston elite nantucket everyone kind of shoots down to that same island same time of year with their kids and their big cars and stuff and you know all we the have old money old money uh bill belichick uh the patriots oh. coach um when the pandemic hit my father called me and said hey guess who's in the line at stop and shop with me and i said who he said bill i said oh tell bill i said hi bill <laughs> we, we say those kind of things because it's it's <clears throat> funny to me the same way i'll see celebrities vacation there like the kardashian courtney did drew barrymore because her husband's mother had a home there it'll be like stars have parents who have homes there. So we'll just see them in our casual setting. That's not to say we don't fan out or geek out because I've harassed almost all of them every time I've seen them. I'm, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> when else am I going to see them again? And relaxed. <laughs> but, you know, those are the stories I have. And when I come with those, I'm just like, oh God, this is not, people, when you go to America, it's not like this. But yes, if you come to Nantucket, I could give you a piece of this. I could give you that. <laughs> That's why I'm, I was hoping that my office say had this summer been a normal summer i would have been like hey guys we're we're definitely going to nantucket like we have to go i don't care 
what we have going on. You need to see this like firsthand because I don't people. I think people think I make a lot of that up. I think you've definitely sold me on Nantucket. I have to ask one specific celebrity question because I think Steve Carell owns something in Massachusetts. Have you ever seen Steve Carell? So no, here's the best part about that. I have a friend who, um, he lives in the same town. I won't give away his town. Uh, he lives in the same town as Steve. He lived down the road from him and he like, Steve used to have people at his house to like swim and like hang out with him and his wife, like real chill. He said, Steve's a great guy. Um, Jojo, the artist from like, oh my gosh, 2003, she was a 13 year old. She's from Massachusetts as well. Same area as Steve, like same area of towns. Um, I want to say like the Massachusetts people, the ones that live there that people who are celebrities are pretty chill, especially if they don't live like, I would say non-Boston. I'm not going to Boston. I'm not going to right, right. I'm not going that deep. It's its own thing. That's its own thing. I'm out of there. But Bass. the ones that live in like, <laughs> I don't have that accent. I've been asked. You the definitely ones do, don't. The ones who have, who know Boston have asked if I had that accent and maybe lost or something. I said, no, I do not. I mean, I don't, I guess I'd feel cool if I had it. I don't have that. No, that's too deep. Well, all that is very fascinating. I, I'm always curious about where people are from and stuff like that. So we don't want to talk all work. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit of hobbies. Okay. Um, in the in the uh, prompt that we got for you, mm-hmm. we heard about the Disney knowledge. Quote, an encyclopedic knowledge. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, you know what? It's like, I had built up that Disney reputation for so long that when I finally got it, it's like, I didn't want the power. <laughs> Cause With my great power comes great responsibility. It really does. Now I understand every superhero's trauma. I literally understand it now. <laughs> so I, from two years old up until I was 25, my parents took me to Disney world in Florida every single summer. We went because my dad's family was from Florida. They were about an hour away from Orlando and it was just like the convenient family vacation. He always had family members that worked there. We could always take like tons of us because we could, you know, we had all these great deals. And I made Disney my personality. I bought all the films as soon as they were out. I made sure we lived on an island again. We had one movie theater, one and a half. We had a um, an old uh, building that would just show really outdated films in like their hall on a projector screen. Uh but anytime we got a new movie, I was first in line. If I thought a new movie was coming out, I would beg my parents to take me off island for a weekend trip to the mall so I could just sit at the theater for hours on end because I could not show up Monday morning to school and not have seen the newest Disney movie. Like, my heart would have broke. Bought all the soundtracks, made all my friends learn all the songs, um, hosted trivia nights when I got older at um, the local brewery bar outside seating kind of thing. You hosted them. Because no one would let me play. That's the problem. <laughs> you get all the knowledge, but you don't get to play because then it's not fair. Yeah. Because uh, it wouldn't even be close. You would just know all the answers. Yeah. But the only time I did get to play is when I played with my friend who worked for Disney through the college program. And then we could compete. But he always denied that I won because it made him uncomfortable. And that's fine. I get it. Um. And then I guess with the encyclopedia comes the tattoos. So there's five Disney tattoos. I call call them hidden Mickeys because I learned that term. I want to say like 10 years ago that throughout the park, there are these hidden Mickeys. And I never, ever tried to look for them because I was always too busy trying to get in line without having to wait two hours. But then when I started researching it, looking at photos, I was like, 
that's what I want because then those are like tattoos my parents could accept because they won't see them they're hidden so but then I just gave up on them being hidden and they got bigger <laughs> so would you say you're interested in like Disney as a whole or more specifically like the history making of the films just the movie themselves like everything or something more specific there is a very specific thing I'm very interested in with Disney and this relates back to it's slightly work so when I realized that most of the animated films were based on a world in a different country because my I feel like my younger brain we assume it's where we are we don't assume it's not where we are so like I'm watching the jungle book and I'm like oh there must be a jungle in America I'm like where is there a jungle in America and then I looked it up and they said um like India and I was like oh okay another country cool I might see that one day um the Aristocats was in France so Paris I was like oh going to Paris I should go to Paris sometime um 101 Dalmatians was in England Peter Pan I was like hold up what is this pattern why are they all these other places and so I could go I could I mean I know they're animated but I could go I could go see if it's like that there and I said Disney's got more going on than I thought I mean if you go too deep into the history, uh, Walt Disney's not the best of people. And I understand that. I accept it and I move on. But, you know, they're, and they're trying their best with things, you know, the parks and stuff are changing things around, keeping up to date. But I just loved the um, kind of not, the hidden international bits of it that I feel like people weren't paying attention to. So I made sure I mentioned it every time I caught on. I said, now, where is that? Now, where is that? No, where is that? No, no, no. I need to know where that is, like physically. Like, and I feel like um, maybe in the late 2000s, they started doing more American things, like Princess and the Frog is in New Orleans. And um, uh, I'm going to say, well, Enchanted is a Disney movie, but it's like live action, but there was in New York. I was like, oh, okay, so now they've kind of fallen off the international thing. What happened? Where did it go? I miss it. I mean, Brave happened. Ratatouille. Ratatouille. I, Ratatouille. I finally went to Disneyland Paris two years ago and I went to like their Ratatouille section and bought everything in French. I don't speak French. I don't understand French, but did I buy a Ratatouille recipe on a little plate? Cause it was in French. Yes. I would have bought that too. Uh, I, I love that movie. Why not? Pat Oswalt um, is a gem. Uh, a gem. He's written. Um, I read a couple of his books too. Cause I just, I didn't realize like. He's just like a fascinating I, person. So fascinating, so much to say, so many wonderful things. I was like, oh, I'm gonna follow you. You're, you're a good one. Now, I know we have to ask because people will be like, why didn't you ask? What's your favorite Disney movie? Um, or top three if you can't choose. Oh, yay, let me do a top three. So if I do a top three, the top spot goes to Cinderella because that was the first one that kind of caught me and just said, okay, Disney princesses, this is the gig, I'm into it. Let's go. I had that blue dress. Oh. Fun fact, I had that blue dress. I used to wear it on the last day of work at my old job when we would have these huge sales at the store. We would have these um, 50% off sales to end before Christmas season started and we were closed, but it was always on my birthday. So I asked my boss, I was like, do you mind if I like dress up because it's my birthday and it's our last day? And also I want to have fun on the last day of work. He's like, sure, do whatever you want. Cinderella, crown, had to borrow it from my sister, had the gloves, had the jacket. Full fantasy, did it two years in a row. Nobody ever questioned it. And I was like, see, that's what you need from a workplace. They just go with your decisions. Absolutely. First day back in office with OCI, um, just come in wearing a full-on princess get up. I'd support oh, it. 
you know, Hua Jin would support that in a heartbeat. I just feel like she's been like, why didn't you tell me? I was yeah. dressed up. <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to have to give her a heads up and that's okay. I'll do that. I'll let her know. Gives me time Before you give your, your next two. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I did a little bit of research on some, uh, some Disney history store, like the, where the stories come from. Mm-hmm. If you really want to get down a rabbit hole, look up Whoa. Hans Christian Anderson and see all the origins of the terrible terrible stories that they came from it is scary sir you think i've not done the origin rabbit hole <laughs> okay okay oh boy um well i mean tiktok nowadays is how i communicate to close friends and family uh people have put together a lovely compilation of all the rabbit holes and their origins so do not talk to me about Pocahontas. do not talk to me about quasimodo and the hunchback of notre dame like oof. have you looked uh, at the Sleeping frozen Beauty? story oh yes oh my gosh it is dark. Well, you know what? Putting it on the record right now. Frozen was never for me. I saw it obligatory, but I could live without it. It could have never happened. I'd be okay. I feel like Moana, Moana was really the better film. And I feel like Ew. it got it got kind of shuffled in because of the frozen hype. I got so mad about that. Honestly, the first the first song I think Moana sang in that film, um, she thinks she was talking about the ocean, how far I'll go, whatever. If that didn't relate to me as an island girl, I don't know what will. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it destroyed me. Moana did not get the hype it deserved. Um, I remember I remember watching Frozen with my dad because we were movie buddies. So he was like, sure, we'll go watch Disney movie, whatever. That was the first time I'd ever had a migraine in my life. Like I left and had a three-day migraine after that um, movie. And I was like, I'm good. I'm uh, not going to, I'm fine without this movie in my life. Exactly. I, the only thing that saves frozen for me is the fact that I saw in a movie theater in Dublin when I first started traveling abroad abroad in 2013. That would help. Yeah, that's like, it's the place I saw it in, not the film I saw, (laughs) which is thankfully for my memory, because if you list any movie, I think that's come out in the last 20 years in theaters, I could tell you where I was, who I saw with, and what I had to eat there. Wow. Um, So number two, uh, Tiana, She's one of my tattoos, but also like, you know, when you just watch something and your jaw sits on the ground, cause you're like, this is it. This is, this is the moment it's, it's all going to change from here. Yeah. I, I need her. Um, and the voice actress for her, Anika Noni Rose is one of my like musical idols. She's just so beautiful in person, the voice of an angel. And I just love that she got to be a Disney princess. It just, I feel like a dream. Dream girls to that. I was like, yes, we're good. We're complete. It was also one of the last hand animated ones, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, I love Princess and the Frog is my top movie mm-hmm. and then Ratatouille. <laughs> yeah, see, if Ratatouille was a prince, I would just do a princess slash princess movie and I'd be like, he's number three. Um Ratatouille is a prince. I don't want to hear this slander. <laughs> Remy, sorry, I don't Rem- want people to Remy. come at you. Remy, Remy is yeah, that's a right. <laughs> I didn't think about it until I saw someone talk about it. His name's not Ratatouille, it's Remy. And I'm like, I know, but it's just easier to call him like the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, oh, who was number three? This was top three movies, right? Yeah. I mean, whatever you want, but sure, yeah. I think I turned it into Princesses unknowingly. And, uh, and I'm like, Whitney, it should be movies. Well, what's your top, what's your third top princess then? There you go. Third top princess, oof. Cinderella, <laughs> Tiana. Thing is, those were independent working women, and that's why I like them 
I think that's why it sticks there because I think about all the others and they just give they give well, me we anxiety. Can cut it at two. We're cutting it too because the other ones yeah. give me anxiety and <laughs> or they just did not serve enough purpose. Um, what's her name? Her name's not even Sleeping Beauty. It's Briar Rose, but Aurora. it's really Aurora. Right. Was asleep the entire time. <laughs> she speaks. In the like after the first 20 minutes of the movie, she says a few lines, then she sings, then she's silent again. And then you don't hear from her. Okay, cool. No. But we'll call it a princess because you know, born into royalty, all that kind of stuff. You none of that would have happened. Well, none of that would have happened if they had just invited Maleficent. Yeah, stop a, stop excluding people just because you don't love them. I'm not for the villain hate. I'm a villain stan. So, you know. Ursula. The, oh, yes. Ursula, Queen. Dr. Facilier, um, Jafar. Did you like the Maleficent movie? I can't remember if that's what it's called. I watched the first one. I didn't watch the second one with Angelina Jolie. My mom loves them. For some reason, I think it was Angelina Jolie that just stopped me. I wasn't ready to see her as a Disney person. Otherwise, I feel like the concept was cool. I'm excited for Cruella. I thought it was a little creepy. Like I think that's makeup, what they were trying to like do. The, sh- the sharpness of the cheekbones really just... I watched a video of them pulling that makeup off in reverse. It was disturbing. It felt way too unnecessary. (laughs) But yeah, I say I'll stop it at two. Um, Honorable mention for just movies, Ratatouille, obviously, because it's just, I don't even remember why that was so cool, but just watching a bunch of rats cooking in a kitchen. But I watch it regularly. (laughs) It's it's so great. It's like, it's happiness. I feel like that movie and like the joy that he had in cooking and the story was just happiness. And different like we don't ever get movies from a rat's perspective we don't um well i mean pixar's whole gig is giving us movies from a non-human perspective i never thought about that yeah and i i hate that about pixar because just ruins my life like i don't need to know that my joy and sadness remember my imaginary friend when i don't i don't need to know that oh man inside (sighs) out can wreck you (laughs) it's just not fair (laughs) never fair uh, oh gosh, I had, did I have one other thing? I just feel like I'm forgetting a villain. Oh, Captain Hook, justice for Captain Hook. Peter Pan was a player and got that man's hand taken off. That was as not there. As an adult, Peter Pan's a, a piece of crap. Don't like <gasps> him. I, I would be so annoyed if I were an adult on that pirate ship. I'd be like, Peter Pan, if so I were we an Team adult Hook? in is England. This, is this podcast Team Hook? <laughs> Team Hook. Yeah. I'll say Hook. Yeah, as an adult, Team Hook for sure. Team Hook. Well, I was never. She's the only one who gets anything done. Um, I was never Team Peter because he was stringing Tinkerbell along, and then she blamed it all on Wendy. Why? That you need to blame the person who's giving Wendy the attention. Yeah, support each other, ladies. Yeah, it wasn't Wendy's fault. She literally just helped him put his shadow back together. We're dropping some Peter Pan truth right now. Yeah. I also, I also, as an adult, think about being an adult in England whose kids go missing because Peter Pan's just snatched them out of the window. Like, Well, they weren't too concerned because they didn't exactly leave their kids with a babysitter. And if they were calling dog. the dog the babysitter, they left the dog outside tied up. So what kind of babysitter was that? Yeah, no, those I, parents, well. negligent. I can't. <laughs> All right, so pivoting off of Disney, I feel like we've, yeah. we've hit that too pretty well. Um, so each each episode, we ask everybody to try and describe themselves uh, using just one word. Um, some words that we've had are optimist, empath, 
uh, driven. Um, what else do we have? We had one. We, it, it, I think yeah, that's all. One didn't stick, but it was like family man, like compassionate, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. so if you could pick one word to describe yourself, what would that be? Uh, I'll pick the word that I've heard most consistently throughout my life, and that is conscientious. Um, and I've always really liked it. So it's just that you can tell I'm trying to be very thoughtful with my words or what I'm trying to come across and say. And I mean, you know, to a fault that can be kind of not okay. Cause it's like, we'll just say what you want to say, but also, you know, you, sometimes you say what you want to say and it's not said in the kindest way. So why not just think about it for that extra second? And I really like that. I'm conscientious. I like that. I'm conscientious with my friends and my family and I'm thinking about, you know, what works for them as well as for me. So I think for me, that's my word. We are like wrapping up because it's, it's getting a little later. We don't like to keep you here forever. Um, so is there, is there someone at UK who you think makes the impossible possible? Like, is there anyone who you think would fit that description that you would like to shout out similar to how we had someone shout out you? Man, um, I feel like I'd have to say my supervisor, um, my financial supervisor, um, Sandy Huang. Uh, she's been working with me and getting me um, immersed into my financial position since November, since I started. And I just really appreciate how much she tries to help. Um, she tries to understand my thought process or how I think about things, how I operate in terms of getting me to be successful financially in the financial field. She's very experienced. And, but, you know, she makes it fun. And I feel like my financial people get this kind of misconception or this understanding where it's just very cut and dry and this is your answer. And I'm like, no, why can't it be part of your personality? Why can't it, why can't you, it be like that? I mean, you don't, we don't have to be best friends at work, but we could make it more enjoyable for each other or just understand how each other operates. And I think for me, uh, I just really appreciate how um, she presents things to me, how she helps, she checks in with understanding of things. And even if we go over the same thing more times than she'd like, or I'd like, because I like to feel more confident <laughs> the first time instead of the 10th time, uh, she's just really patient with me and very understanding. And I think she's just doing a great job. I think financially, if I didn't have her as sort of that liaison when things aren't going the best, it would be a different story now, personally. Yeah, Sandy's fantastic. I uh, she actually emailed me on Friday. She was like, "Hey, like, do you need help with this thing? Because I know that uh, she is she's the budget officer for the International Center. For in case Ryan, you weren't aware, if listeners weren't aware, and education abroad, our financial manager um, left earlier in 2020, and so I've had to take on some scholarship stuff. But yeah, she the same thing with me, where she's like, "Hey, I know this like finances aren't your thing. Do you need help? Would you like help? Can like." Do you want to talk through what you need to do here? So yeah, I agree. Sandy's fantastic. Like, and just the, the I think my favorite thing about her is she's like an Excel wizard. Like yes. give her literally just garbled up pieces of a Word document and say, I need this in Excel. It would, you would just be floored. I just, and I've told her, we've talked about it multiple times. I was like, just do an Excel course. Just do one. I don't care if people don't want it. I want it. I just like watching you play in Excel all day. 
those are the kinds of people I need to take Excel classes from. Like I took the Excel class at UK in, in undergrad, but like I want somebody who like uses it for their job and like knows the real stuff. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's because most of the stuff that I learned in Excel, I had to teach myself, but exactly. You know, that well, YouTube is great, is great for sometimes, but it's always better when you have somebody right next to you. She very much makes it like, okay, here's the stuff and this is what you got to present. Now think about who you're presenting it to. Right. How are they going to read it? How are they going to understand it? I mean, cause she works, you know, with Sue, um, in the international center, um, Sue Roberts. And so, you know, she's, and she's having to work with tons of people and all the different parts, like you said, education abroad, cause she's the budget officer for the international center. So you she's got to think for 50 different people at once. And I'm like, that's a skill. Like that's, that's, you can't underrate that skill. Even in something is what people think are as basic as uh, a Microsoft office feature. That's a, that's a sign of a good data analyst is mm-hmm. always thinking about who you're presenting to. Yeah. All right. Our final question that we ask everybody, what are you having for dinner tonight? Oh, <laughs> well, a hello fresh box because i think that's what i have left because i forgot to cancel my order um we are not sponsored by hello fresh this is uh it's completely <laughs> candid but if they want to yeah if you want to no no stop sending those promos hello fresh yeah. i can't do with it anymore i've run out of fake emails <laughs> so what are you having from your hello fresh box um it had beef meatballs and cabbage side all of the many things start to run together because, I mean, I get it does the three main components, um, but I honestly couldn't remember what the recipe card told me. I just know the meat's thawing out of the freezer, the box is in recycling, and this is the last one, and I'm going to have to end the subscription. There you go. Because I just need to do a new way. steak tonight. Uh, we, did, we did steak yesterday. My My dad grilled aka my husband was like hey you want any help and he was like please just do it and so yeah it was cute um I don't know we uh we don't have any groceries our fridge is almost empty we have some frozen tater tots so I think after work today we'll probably have to run to Kroger and honestly we're so tired it'll probably be order in yep yeah. Hey, pasta works. Yeah. See, if we had done this on a Sunday, I would have had a great answer for what's for dinner because I go to my family's house in Frankfurt for Sunday dinner every Sunday and it was Mother's Day. So the the men cooked, my uncle cooked ribs. My um, cousin's husband brought chicken, potato wedges. We had coleslaw, biscuits, rolls, like we had the whole thing. And I made a strawberry shortcake for dessert. Delicious. See, like, that I want to come to Sunday dinner with your family. Everyone is always welcome to Sunday dinner. We put this out there and people think we're kidding or they think they're going to be intrusive. This family, my family, they're not even my immediate family. This is my extended family. We just love having guests. We having people. I feel like we're such an entertaining family that we just want people to witness it. I used to say, we should be on a reality show. And they're like, nah, that's when, that's when the hate and the drama comes because it's all manufactured. I was like, yeah, you're right. We should just we should just hire people. We should just have people come sit and watch us. Just observe. a documentary is what you need. A documentary. Oh man. Mm-mm. Again, see, reality show or documentary. That's when they start digging for things, and then they find something. The family was like, "Nope, we didn't want it, that out there." Sounds <laughs> like you found your podcast, The Butlers. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, no, not The Butlers. <laughs> That's too much. It's not enough of us. 
All right. Well, I think that's going to, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, I want to thank you, Whitney, for joining us is a great getting to talk to you. I will, I, we could keep talking about Disney forever, uh, sure. but we don't want to, we don't want to go too long. Uh, respect your time. So thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be able to do this with y'all. Yeah. Love this conversation. So thanks once again to Whitney for joining us. Um, we're going to wrap this episode up with a couple more announcements. Uh, we'll go over to Olivia. So like we said at the beginning, vote in staff Senate and women's forum elections. If you are listening to this before May 21st, 2021, but other than that, this semester is wrapping up and K through 12 schools are rapidly approaching summer break. So you might be wondering what you can do to keep the kids busy this summer. One option, summer camp. Uh, UKHR has done some great work to put together a summer camp directory full of a wide variety of opportunities for little ones of all ages, and I mean all ages, K through 12. Camp topics range from academics to athletics, arts, and beyond. So check out the link in the podcast description to view 2021 summer camp offerings, dates, and grade levels. And uh, they have taken some extra precautions regarding COVID, but all that's camp specific. So if you're interested or if you have a little one who you want out of the house this summer, uh, go check out that link and see what's available. And I think that's going to wrap it up for this month. Uh, please send your nominations for future episodes to me, rkst222 at uky.edu. You can subscribe on Spotify or anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and Join us next month for another great conversation on the Kentucky Wildcast. <laughs>